Alright, people, you are now tuned in to Peeps Creek, the Double Dunn Tundra Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and today I am joined by my co-host, David, a.k.a. Peter. What's going on? What's up, yo? What's and, up, y'all? And we are joined by two special guests today. To my left, coming back for the second time, it is Jay. Say hello to the people, Jay. So nice, I had to do it twice. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> that was good. It'll make you seem so old. All right. We are going to go over to Jose. Say hello to the people, Jose. Hey, everyone. Nice to be back. All right. Let's see if you can actually have a full conversation this time. <laughs> All right, people. We have a good show in tow for you. So, you know, here at Peach Creek, we always have something in our mugs. Today in our mugs, we are doing manmosas. What's a manmosa, Jose? It's a mimosa, but you add vodka to it. All right. <laughs> and and I was drugged against my will. She, <laughs> but she still lifted up that coffee cup. All right, so sit back, get your drinks, whether it's coffee, it's tea, whether it's water, whether it's orange juice, milk, H2O, and if you're or milk, that's right, warm or... I like it warm, though. Or cold. All right. And if you lactose intolerant, you can get you some soy milk. I don't think that will bother your system as bad. All right. Tune in, and we are going into the episode. All right, so we are now in episode eight. First and foremost, I want to thank everyone for being here. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to have a great conversation. Today's topic is all about sex. So we are going to talk about several different topics, so make sure that you sit back and pay attention. Join in in the conversation if you want to. You can go to peepscreek.com and make your comments or you can hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at P3. All right. So our first topic, we are going to give a spotlight shout out to Tony Harrison straight from Detroit, the 313. All right. So Tonika, why are we talking about Tony Harris? Well, we're talking about Tony Harris because she has made history apparently, correct? Yes. All right. History. Yeah. So the first female, to go to a university and play for their football team in a skilled position. Am I correct? Well, she's the first female to sign a letter of intent. She has not fully um, started started yet, Mm -hmm. um, but she is the first female to sign a letter of intent for a skilled football position. She will be going to Central Methodist University that's in Missouri. And the school is a Division One school in NAIA. For those who don't know what that is, that's the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics. But anyway, we want to give a shout out to her because that is a historic um, aspect for her. And she wants to eventually be signed to the NFL. Anyway, I just want to shout out Tony Harris. A, because it's historic, historic. And secondly, because she's from my hometown of Detroit, Detroit, Michigan. So that should tell you that people from Detroit, we are the bizarre. All right, so let's move (laughs) on to the next topic. While we are on the topic of sports, and this is all about sex, let's talk about your boy, Robert Kraft. Mm. Robbie. Robbie is 77 (laughs) years old. He is the owner of the Patriots, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the cheaters. Well, huh? Is he married? 
Yes. So he, oh, so that is, was that pun intended? That yes, they were it's cheating. a double entendre. And so yes. therefore, he I made a double entendre on Welcome. the double entendre. On. Yes, okay. yes, double yes. Entendre Thank you. Podcast. I should get a check for that. <laughs> Good job. All right. So anyhow, for those who don't know, Mr. Kraft was visiting a day spa. Where you know people go, they get, get the Did you put that in quotes? A day spa, <laughs> yes, <laughs> double quotes, air quotes, day spa. And this day spa is, is mm, the name of it is Orchids of Asia Day Spa. Oh, so lovely, sounds, sounds really great, right? Sure. Sounds like a place go where you go in, get the happy get... ending and all that. No, this is not oh. what it's about. Oh. You go oh, it in, is actually. You change your look, you get into those wooden shoes, mm-hmm. they take you in what? the back and they like massage you mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. Except this just had a little different kind of massage. Um, so. <laughs> in a very specific area, in a for very specific bucks. area. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh-huh. here's what here's what happened. And for those of you who don't know, we have 77 year old um, Robert Kraft who was charged with two misdemeanors of soliciting another to commit prostitution. Mm-hmm. He's a, an owner of a football team. I don't think he had enough money that he. Don't need to go and spend a hundred dollars. But anyway, so apparently, what happened is that they had a sneak and peek warrant. So basically, without going through all that, basically what that means is that the police attach video surveillance to a particular area without the owner knowing, because there's reason to believe that some crime has occurred, and they were able to do that without the day spa's owner knowing that it was going on. So two days, first day he went in did his thing came out he was positively identified because he was pulled over by the police they took his license it was him second day he goes in he goes to the front he hugs a young lady the front hey she escorts him to the back mm-hmm. she hugs her again uh-huh. okay he takes off his clothes okay he lies down on the massage table back down oh. the lady Facing up? You mean on his back? On his, his back. back. <laughs> yes, I said back down. On his back, so his face was looking up to the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, seven minutes later, the female began manipulating his penis and testicles and then put her head down on his penis to engage in fellatio. A few minutes later, she well, wiped much? off his genitalia area with a towel. That was very, at least they're. Like one fifty, right? One hundred bucks. One hundred bucks. Well, the and, article said he paid her one hundred dollars, and he and gave a, her another a, bill. Uh, on a identified uh, bill, so we really don't know how much it is, right? Probably two hundred. Um, probably gave another hundred. But the officials <laughs> so were saying that um, probably walking around with ten grand in his oh pocket. This case is not about dirty old men trying to get off. This is about. <laughs> human trafficking. trafficking that's what i was about to ask you isn't mm-hmm. that about yeah. that right mm-hmm. I, I mean what they're trying to get you to focus on is not the simple act of prostitution right. right this is why the guy said this isn't about you know just the exchange of sex for money which many would argue is a quote-unquote victimless crime what they want you to focus on is that these women rather than just prostituting themselves of their own volition are being forced to do so as part of a human trafficking right. scheme and you know these are the avenues and the methodology by which it's being employed so even though they do it they don't get the money if it's like that correct 
they get still get paid, but they don't. Receive I mean, money. I don't. I'm not an expert on human trafficking right. schemes, so I, <laughs> but I think the issue is right. They're essentially slaves, like sex slaves, right? Right. I mean. That yeah. are trading, you know, food and shelter and yeah. promises of whatever in of life in America in the and all the cash yeah. for, for the their services. They're being exploited. Yeah. Human trafficking apparently is a major issue. Mm -hmm. um, right. I actually worked, I'm not going to say what I worked on or what I do, but I actually worked in on, on a situation um, where some Filipino individuals were trafficking Thailand workers um, and bringing them over to do hard labor. When they arrived, they would take their passport, take all their belongings. They would charge them for room and board. They would charge them for food. And ultimately, these ind individuals did not receive any money. And they were living in like worn down, rat infested places without water, without warm um, bedding, and actually without any bedding. Um, and the goal of the most of the individuals from Thailand who were coming here was that they were coming because they wanted to send money back to their family. But the catch 22 with that was, that in order for them to come here to work, they had to borrow money to pay the organization to bring them. And so they were in debt with their family, they were in debt with the organization, and then they were in debt with whom, with whom they were working. Um, so it was just a very sad situation, and human trafficking is real, real. I know people don't think about it in that regard, but you never know. It's, it's, it's for companies that you go and buy stuff from every day sometimes where people are being human trafficked and forced to to do labor against their volition <laughs> well we're gonna get off of that topic if you okay. all don't mind and we're going to so, so before we move to the next topic let me give you a disclaimer so a lot of these topics are going to be kind of heavy they're going to be dealing with some sensitive and sensitive matters um, we are going to be giving our perspective and opinion on them. Um, you don't have to agree. And quite frankly, I would be glad if you don't agree. But if you don't agree, you know, tell us why. Go to peepsgreet.com. Go to Instagram, peepsgreet. Go to Twitter, peepsgreet. Tell us why we sound silly or stupid. Or if you agree, <laughs> you can just say you agree. But anyway, um, I felt like these were topics that were worth discussing because reality is, unless you actually search for them on the news, sometimes you're just not going to find out about mm -hmm. them. Um, and so what I want to talk about is the sexual assault of detained migrant children. Um, and so for those of you who do not know, um, the United States has defined an unaccompanied minor as a child who travels to the United States either unaccompanied, right, or with an adult where that adult is not the guardian or parent. So they come here with friends or they come here with some lone distant family member um, and they are discovered that child will be taken um, under the Office of Refugee Resettlement. Um, and the goal of that is to try to avoid having unaccompanied minors come here with folks for the same purpose of what we just talked about, human trafficking. That's one of the major reasons, quote unquote, um, why they separate individuals who are not with their parents or with their legal guardian in that particular instance. But what I want to talk about is that from 2015 to 2018, the statistics show that there were over 4,500 allegations of sexual assault of the migrant unaccompanied minors in government custody. Now, 
this includes um, minors against minors, right? Ass assaulting another minor. Um, but 178 of those allegations were actually allegations that the government workers um, were sexually assaulting um, the minor, uh, the unaccompanied minors. So let's talk a little bit about that. Jose, you look like you're itching to talk. Yeah, because <clears throat> this subject is just so personal and heavy, like you said. But in that quote, you mentioned that there were 4,500 allegations of sexual abuse and harassment. And then they go on to say that out of those complaints, 1,300 were serious enough to be referred to the FBI and the rest were just unfounded. I mean, you're essentially saying, well, pretty much half of them or less than half of them were so serious to be sent to the FBI so they could be investigated at the federal level, but the rest were just crap. Like that makes no sense to me. Right. You know, there's no like, oh, well, there were 1,300 so serious to be sent to the FBI. You know, then there's uh, so many number that were uh, handled at the state level. And then, you know, any others that were handled at local level. No, they were just like, well, 1,300 sent to the FBI and the rest are crap. Like that makes no sense. And that pisses me off. Yeah. I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's hard to process it. And the question becomes, why? Why? How? Right. How and why did this happen? And who's responsible? Does this Office of Refugees fall under DHHS? Well, because they're... No, no. So my understanding is that this third party where they're um, placed on, they're just contractors. They don't necessarily work for the federal government. They're contractors for the federal government, and then they get funding from the federal government. Right, but the, but the, the agency, agency is a has federal oversight. government. Right, right. Yeah. They do have oversight, but right. at the end of the day, they are their own entity. I mean, they just have to respond to the federal government. They understand it's accurate okay. in the sense of that the workers, the yeah. one with whom, once, once the individuals, the unaccompanied minors, are sent off, they're right. sent off to, there's 135 shelters across the United States that deal with this for unaccompanied minors. Those individuals, not all of them are federal workers. Yes. Those are contractors. Right. That includes <clears throat> even some younger youth care workers. Mm -hmm. But I guess my thing is, is that the government, at the end of the day, it falls on the hands the of the government. Government is responsible. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It the, doesn't resolve the question of right. how or why. The question is still, what? How did this? How did the federal agency who has oversight regarding this office allow this to happen? Because they contract with a particular organization and entity, but they ultimately um, have a lot of say and direction and control yeah. over that contractor and what they're doing. And so it sounds like there's a systemic problem with how the system is set up that would even allow this to occur. What bothers me is the, the lack of accountability. That's you know, the problem that's, that that's what bothers me because for them to say, like you mentioned, like, you know, how are they keeping track? They're talk, they talk about the case management system and instead of them saying, yeah, you know, we messed up and we need to fix it and we want to make, make sure that it's the right thing. They don't do that. It's always a very bureaucratic response and saying we follow the protocol we follow the guidelines we follow the regulations you know no kid is lost we know we did what we we're supposed to do when they should just said i mean when you're dealing with kids being abused sexually abused they should just be accountable for that not be responsible but be accountable and say yes something happened we're gonna figure it out and we're gonna fix it i don't see I, the I, distinction between, between accountable, accountable and responsible yeah, yeah well because they're not saying yes we did it as opposed to like yes we'll handle it so that's okay, the difference but, between but me. for the fact that it could be the argument that but for the fact that <clears> the government <throat> separated them 
with the intentions of right. protecting these yeah. individuals. Yeah. Well, no, I'm right? talking just specifically about the assault. I hear you. I hear your distinction. But at the end of the day, I guess for my argument or for my purposes, that distinction doesn't matter. And the reason it doesn't matter is that especially when you separate a an unaccompanied minor from another adult that that mm-hmm. unaccompanied minor may have had a relationship with knowing and trust trusting and the thing that bothers me is okay they said that most of these allegations were unfounded but you're dealing with children my question is did you do a thorough job because when you're dealing with children who might not speak english who may never knew anything outside of the country from which they come that you know did you understand and really get from them what happened and i mean i i would be speculating but i'm not convinced that they did a thorough job in determining whether or not some of these allegations were founded or not because if you have 4500 allegations of sexual abuse from kids kids typically don't lie mm-hmm. i mean there may be some embellishments but kids normally don't lie about something as serious as that yeah. like if you say someone touched me or someone did something inappropriate to me or this adult is trying to make me do x y and z i just don't see a child from another country just making it up like and, from any country and also and also when 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 it's a child they might not have to say something you know verbally mm-hmm. but if this other individual is trying to force them to be with this person they will make some type of signals or or things for them not to be next to these people or or be on the same place you know and that's on that's some, their behavior that, exactly so that should be something for these people to at least taking uh in consideration to find out what's going on if it's something is going on or not the fact of the matter is you have a child telling you that something is going on if you don't do more than simply ask individuals did you do this mm-hmm. it's problematic and i'm not saying that that's what occurred but unfortunately i'm not convinced that they did anything further but did do, do what like those, something to to fix the issue no the, really, investigation. the investigation because those i mean you're talking about 2015 to 2018 4500 complaints over a three-year period is a lot, a lot of complaints and so i would venture to say they probably are understaffed and don't have the expertise that they need to even talk to children about sexual abuse i mean they'd have to have hundreds of counselors being associated with these investigations and you really have to take your time children like deontay mentioned don't really lie Sean. about oh, okay <laughs> edit that out then about something <laughs> like this right. and and they don't want to talk about it but I, you know it's hard to say that they really gave the time and attention to uh you know the investigations like they should have to really ferret out you know whether this occurred or not it's either they embarrassed or they just don't care to be honest yeah i mean the whole idea is that they're they're not supposed to be here in the first place you know right that's that's, the that's their perception okay, so whatever happened is is their own is their own fault because they're not yeah. supposed to be here but yeah. is there a way to... of that they should be thinking that you know if they have kids what would they do if something happened to their kids mm-hmm. of something that they're doing to them is there a way to change it that's the question what do we do about these children that are being subjected to this type of horror well so my really good friend shout out to her yvette she's actually an attorney and all she does is represent unaccompanied children and a year ago um, i was able to assist in one of her cases by doing like an affidavit we're trying to locate a family member 
and the whole idea was if there was no one out there that you know this child could be placed with um then that that kid is going to be kind of like in the foster system in a way so that's how i assisted in that so you're advocating that we can make a change yeah. from the grass I, mean, I, I was able to help someone level, um by people who aren't necessarily you know you know that don't necessarily have training or certification yeah. in a particular area that they can help support and process these kids sooner so they won't be detained as right long. because they need help another thing that we could do i know it's cliche i know it's boring i know you don't really want to do it well it's better but than just talking about it Gotta you do need something. you need to start calling <laughs> writing your, your congressman yes mm-hmm. i you can call your representatives anytime ask for them if they say they're unavailable get a voicemail they ask for an email address like you know i never done that i should i don't know I never, never did what? I, like written or called a congressman? I called. I called. Did about, they answer? Did, did they, they answer you? They surely did. I don't know. I just feel like they'll be like, okay. When did they tell you? I called on um, travel ban. Oh, the Muslim travel ban. Um, yeah. So I called oh. several times and I left multiple messages with her. Now, they didn't get me to my representative. They kept saying, well, she's busy or she's not in. Can we take a message? I said, yep, mm-hmm. this is like my 15th message. I'll, I'll Tell her I voted for her. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't vote for her. I didn't vote for her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, that's the other thing. Even if it's the person who you didn't vote for, you still can hold those folks accountable. Mm-hmm. And you need to call them to let them know what you need to do. So that's their job. That is their job. So we are done with that topic, I think. Yeah, good topic, uh, yeah, everyone. Topic. Sure, I'm we have solutions at the grassroots yeah. level and solutions from this the top good. down. All right, so we are going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with our next topic here okay. at Peeps Creek. Club 96. <laughs> All right, And so- we're back, everyone. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you are not the host. Oh it's co-host for a reason. What the hell is wrong with you? Hi everyone, we're back. He took over it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And while we're talking about Jesus, we are going to move on to sex in the church. Now, this is not this is a heavy topic, but the first part we're going to talk about is um, the Methodist Church. So the Methodist Church motto is open ears, open mind. Oh, actually, I think I typed that wrong. It's open hearts, open minds, and open doors. That's the motto. But in late February 2019, there was a vote to place a ban on gay and lesbian clerics. So basically individuals who subscribe to LGBTQ, I think it's questioning or plus community. Um, they cannot be um, priests or leaders in the church. Um, and according to um, one reverend, he indicated um, a Methodist, a Methodist reverend. He said, "Those who engage in the practices of homosexuality are not living a life that pleases God." And they also voted to stop officiating same-sex marriage and. In that vote, they indicated to to um, those who officiate same-sex marriages that if they were to do another one, they could be suspended without pay for a year. And if they did another one thereafter, they can be defrocked. All right. So the question to you is, does the church really have open hearts, open minds, and open doors? What say you, Jay? 
No. We'll come back around and get to why y'all. Okay. I mean, they're so hypocritical. They're like, right. Well, they're still welcome, and but they just cannot be part of the leadership or clergymen, and also we're not going to marry them. But doors are open. I mean, it's just right. It's an so hypocr- and their legs. Well, Anyways, what about you, David? What do you say? Are, are the doors open? The hearts open? And the minds open? I call bullshit. Okay, bullshit. Yeah, it's an age-old debate obviously how do you reconcile the reconciliation between what the scripture says and you know what people feel what people are or you know their actions to carry out how they feel um but i think uh the church has so much work to do with regard to how to handle this particular issue and it's complicated um and and to start to question whether homosexuality should be accepted by someone uh, who is deeply ingrained in the literal reading of the Bible causes them to question everything about their faith system and people would rather avoid it than think about it and have the difficult conversations Um, so it's certainly nothing we're going to resolve today but um, it really annoys me when a particular denomination or even a particular church takes the position that, um, you know, uh, what, what is this saying they always use? Um, hate the sin, love the sinner. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how, how do you separate what you have identified as a sin from something that someone identifies with as part of who they are? How do you separate it? And then why are we separating that exactly? And how do you implement it? How do you execute it? Um, And you wanna, so many people wanna focus on homosexuality, 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 Mm -hmm. as being, you know, an abomination, as being, you know, the cause and the blame for so many things. Um, And it's like, well, what about all these other, you know, things that are in the Bible that say we had to do that we don't do anymore? I mean, you want to focus on on how it says... Stony women? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, all these different ceremonies of sacrificial animals and all the, oh, well, the times are different now. I mean, what about the commandment that says don't work on the day on the Sabbath day? And there are plenty of people who do. Well, people have to do that because and times are different because. But okay, so why hasn't your viewpoint with regard to homosexuality changed in that regard? People cherry pick. But but I I do want to point out. But sorry, didn't they accept gay clergymen before this church? The Methodist church? Yeah, I think they were part of it already. They were. Okay, and they they were performing same-sex marriages before they were but they just so voted to right. eliminate that why okay. there must have been derision. no they were talking about tradition that they were going to stick to tradition <laughs> yeah go back to and, tradition right. and, and um, interesting enough though in this particular denomination 30 percent of the members are from africa yeah and a lot of african countries do ban homosexuality they do um and so that Sad, though. that could be an issue but i just want to say this i don't portray myself to be a biblical aficionado um, I can't quote every verse, but what I could tell you is the only verse that people can point to that relates to homosexuality, I think it's in Deuteronomy, um, which is the Old Testament or some other Testament, but it's old. And <laughs> what I remember is that in the New Testament, Jesus said that I came. I conquered? No, boy, that's oh. Columbus. <laughs> Columbus. That wasn't Columbus. <laughs> Wait, somebody help me with that verse. All right, so we 
founded, Jay, actually, Jay founded, and Chris, Jose's friend who studied theology. Shout out to Chris, thank you for, for your assistance. So what he said is this. So this is in Mark 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debated. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all of your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Okay, so let me be clear. Last time I looked at the 10, thank you, Jay. Last time I You're looked welcome. at 10 commandments, there was nothing to say anything about homosexuality. Last time I looked at the Ten Commandments, there was nothing that said you can't be transgender. Now, I'm not sure that would be the term back in the day. But there was nothing that led me to believe led me to believe that it was even related to that. Now, so if the Lord Jesus, who came here to die for our sins, Amen. and bring repentance to the world so that we can live and have a new day as long as we believe in him. If he tells you that I could boil this down to two commandments, one being place basically place no God before God. Secondly, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There are no commandments greater than these. So I don't understand how any church, any organization can rely on anything to indicate that a sector of individuals are not able to teach are not able to be the forefront. I mean, let's think about it. One of Jesus' disciples was going to kill him. Am I lying or am I flying? That's yeah, right. And I wasn't born with no damn wings. <laughs> so if one of his disciples who were sent here, he, he, he developed these individuals to teach the word. These were the folks who he left. So his legacy, his, his, his teaching, his word, and his love could be spread apart. If one of them was going to kill him, why can't someone gay Ooh, his preaching or bisexual be in the church and be in a role of leadership? Because I don't understand how those two intersect. Well, I mean, Jack. Yeah. what you have is the bastardization of scripture, which is what many religions do. They take their own interpretation uh, and, you know, distribute it. And so you've got multiple you know, I was reading an article just the other day about the books of the Bible that King James determined would not be. And so, you know, people stand on the Bible and how it's, it's you know, how it dictates and addresses everything. And, uh, and, and it's the end all and be all. But it's like, well, what about the books that were left out? And right. how did they determine that those books should have been left out? And how does what you believe to be true uh, compare to other religions? And so why is yours the only right one? Right. And I, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe uh, of, uh, in the principles and the theories um, espoused by the Bible and there are certain things that I absolutely disagree with. The Bible is extremely misogynistic. Uh, it, slave owners used it to justify slavery. Um, Trump used it to separate the children at the border. But go ahead. <laughs> You're the one. But, right. And, and, and Trump was signing Bibles to the tornado victims in Alabama, which I thought was signing. sacrilegious. Yeah. Please don't get me started on that administration. I will be here all day. This is an old and what's the what's the term? 
age old, It's just it's an age old <laughs> debate, right? About how people are living and whether it's it's congruent with you know what's in the Bible. Well, since we're talking about religion, let's talk about the issue about nuns and you know priests abusing nuns and the kids. All right, hypocrites. So- Right. So um, we know that it was either earlier this month or late February, the Vatican was meeting specifically to deal with um, child abuse and what to do. Um, now, what we do know, uh, I, I was not in the meeting, of course, because I'm not a arch. Invited. You were not invited. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't know. Sean who? I could be a, a pontiff, if that's what it is. Pontiff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't Good know. Word. You bishop, you don't know who Break I am. Break it down for your listeners. You, <laughs> you don't know what the Lord has put in my path. Uh, but anyhow, God help us. None. Oh my goodness. Now, so here's what we do know. We do know that child abuse. We're gonna start with child abuse. It's real. Child abuse is real. Mm-hmm. And by the priests, by priests, it has been ongoing for decades. 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 And quite frankly, do you know that? The only time that um, a sitting archbishop was liaised was February 2019. From India, right? No, here, Washington, D.C. Yeah. No, there was the cardinal. Right. Wasn't he a cardinal? He's on the, the corner. He's the only, <coughs> he is the only one who has been defrauded. Okay, got it. Got it, got it. He by by sexual abuse? For, for, well, here's the thing. So, for decades, his name is, I'm gonna put it out there, it's, it's in the news. He won't mm-hmm. sue me, he can sue me all day long. Theodore McCarrick. Yeah. Okay. For decades, he there has been allegations that he has engaged in sexual um, activity with male seminaries. Um, I think some of them were underage, but some of them were of age. Um, and what was spoke, what was discussed is that for these decades, other archbishops knew about it, but it was created as like a secret society kind of concept of, I can't tell your dirt because then you'll tell my dirt type mm. of thing. Um, and so despite all the years, decades of child abuse allegations that occurred in the Catholic church, um, this is the first time that anyone has been defrocked because of it. Um, but anyhow, <clears throat> What do you all think about this meeting? Do you think it's going to be productive? Do you think it's something that is is helpful? What, what, what's going on? I, I, I think I think only the victims really can fully answer that question. But the but the issue is okay. You've defrocked one guy. What are you going to do about the rest of them? And the bigger question is. Is there a way as an organization, <clears throat> excuse me, to prevent this from the beginning? Um, I read an article that talked about how people, the response from the Catholic institution, basically the Vatican, has been, well, we can't just sort of unilaterally defrock all these people at once. Um, Why not? It's, you know, that's another question. That people have Did asked the church in response. Well, the thing is well, that that part of the same article talks about how they don't know that it's the data. They don't know how many 
women, nuns, or children, Catholic children who participate in the in church, they don't know how many of them have been abused. That's the problem. I, I don't know what the point of the meeting is. I, I don't know why you need a damn meeting, personally. The Vatican, the, the Pope is the head of the church. The Pope has the power to initiate whatever he chooses. Now, he may decide he wants to go through this political process of including people to have some kind of meeting about what the right process is. But the bottom line is he's the head of the church. The buck stops with him. It's his responsibility to ensure that his organization, which he oversees, has a process in place to deal with the most vulnerable group of individuals in your church. You're not talking about a 19, 20 year old, 23 year old, 27 year old who can make a conscientious decision to engage in sexual activities with an individual. You're talking about children. You're talking about individuals who you send up to engage in these different activities because you want them to be good Catholics. You want them to be choir boys. I don't know what all the terms are, but you want them to do this because that's part of what they need to do in order to be considered fully Catholic. And so you're taking away these children's innocence and you're having a meeting about it and it's been going on for 40, 50, 60 years and you know about it. I don't care what kind of statistics you need. You don't need statistics. One one or two allegations in one church I'm is saying, enough no, I'm to I'm saying that they're down. not going to do anything with that statistics because that's what they have been saying. That's all I'm saying. No, no, I not that they need doing. anything. I'm saying that in their view, not mine, that they need something to do something and they don't have anything there for them. They're not going to do anything. There needs to be... Um, a more direct position for them, you know, to take and how they're going to deal with this because hundreds, if not thousands of children have been affected. The, you know, this thing has been going on forever where everybody kept the secret. Um, and unfortunately, people are making the connection um, with sexuality in yeah. general, right, and homosexuality and saying this is what's causing uh, the priest to molest these kids. And that's a lie. I don't believe that. But I do believe that the Catholic Church also needs to recognize the necessity um, of people's expression of their sexuality. Pope has been very progressive. Um, but I think he's well, he's gotten some backlash in the last few months. And so he's taken a more conservative position only recently. I know, it's I, fashionable. I mean, right. Well, I think he's gotten... I fashionable mean, he's gotten, is Gucci, not being gay. <laughs> fashionable i can shop for i don't shop for i gay. think he's been uh pushed into a corner a little bit it's interesting when i was reading those articles because i grew up catholic and i went to a catholic school all my teachers were nuns all of them from first grade well from pre-k all the way to sixth grade in mexico I remember my mom telling me you know, you need to study harder because only the number one kid in the class gets to be the altar boy. After and only the smart boys boy. get to be up there. Just for clarity, I want to make sure... It was your price, essentially. Excuse me, sir. Go I want to make sure that the listeners <laughs> have clarity on what you're saying. Are you saying that the selection to be altar boy was by merit? Meaning yeah. you're great. You're great. But the actual position, once you're in there, is a religious one um, that has some kind of relationship to your religion. Is that what well, I, I never said? got it. So. But is that what you understood <laughs> as a Catholic? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to be that person as a Catholic boy. I wanted to be that kid. Do you have a different perspective on that 
David. I my understanding for me because I actually when I was growing up and 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 I was really into the Catholic Church, my aunt is really religion, religious, and my mom when you know early ages. Uh, for me to be the person next to the bridge is like a, basically a path for you to be the next bridge or the next. Um, Yeah, that's how you say it, right? Please. So Please. whenever uh, and parents, and that's what my mom, my aunt, because my aunt's really religious. That's what the goal, that's the goal for me was, for me to be that person next to the preach, helping them because they it made it seem that I'm closer to God, I'm closer to being purified, okay. Okay. and they are basically putting their religion on me. Because I am next to the preach, so I'm doing. I'm going to the right path of God. So let me ask this question. What I hear is this: is that the goal of being the per, the goal or being in that position, was not because you necessarily, as a child, felt that this was what you wanted to do, mm-hmm. because they wanted you to get closer to God. Yeah, it was more so because folks were telling you. Yeah. You need right. to be in that position. Yeah. You need to be up yeah. there because so you can I be safe, can, right? So that I can say, my son, my uh, my nephew, he's up there. He's closer to God. He's a good boy. Yep. He's a right. good kid. Right. Mm-hmm. And the priest is going to give him, get him closer to God. Yep. Right. I I do think part of the problem with this is that what we tend to do in religious communities it's not just for catholics i think that's true in baptist there's that's true in pentecostal it's true in other religions is that we assert and when i say we sometimes the older adults we place too much stress on children Mm -hmm. and the church to get to certain positions Mm -hmm. and we take away from them their ability to understand the religion and understand what their true relationship is with god And so when you are telling them, I want you to be the altar boy because you need to be next to this priest because this priest is going to give you what you need. You're setting that. I'm not saying that you're. And he sends a message. A message. And more than just you being religious. It sends a message that you are the best of the best. Right. And therefore the family is the best of the best. And that you're safe. Yeah. Right. Well, and what attaches to that is guilt. Guilt, yes. When you don't achieve that. And when you're not, then it resembles shame. Right. Yeah. And And most of these kids that are basically with these priesters are the ones that are getting raped and getting all this. Oh, I saw a priest slap an altar boy one time. Who were they going to complain? to their Mm -hmm. parents who idolize this priest which often i mean that's that's a fundamental tenet of the catholic Mm -hmm. uh religion is that this priest is a uh he's not a god they don't worship him as a god but he's close enough they think he 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 speaks directly to god and they Mm -hmm. will not challenge the priest at least you know when i was growing up well and and not to beat up on the catholics i was gonna say you are right that it crosses all religions because i you know i grew up baptist i did go to this catholic school for eight years but i was still baptist and went to baptist church every sunday and when i was 12 my mother started beating the drum about how I wasn't going to be like a protected angel anymore if I didn't mm. join church and get saved right. by the time I turned 13. True to form, at 13, who joined the church? You got, got saved, saved. You yeah. got You got the Lord in your you system. You got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Praise him. You got baptized <laughs> in the water. Okay, so... So, but but it, but it, but I want to make this point before <laughs> no, we move on. 
is in general I, it breaks my heart to see how people again bastardize religion and they misuse uh religion to manipulate people kids especially especially children you know something that um, i believe what i heard that i actually actually went through right mm-hmm. before for our first uh before i did my first communion this my mind never actually told my mom this and i don't know if it's inappropriate but now that i'm grown of course, it's inappropriate what the preach did. So before we, we before the day, the night before I had to do my first communion, we had it, um, you know, like confess our sins to the to the preach. I was what night priest. 10. Yeah, him. <laughs> I was to confess my sins to him, and my understanding and what I see because I, I had to study, you know, that that you have to go into this little booth, whatever, and right, yeah, that. But no, what he did was he took me to his actually room. His office? His office. He sat on the couch, right? He made me get on my knees and my hands basically on his laps. Just like that. When? How old were you? I was nine when I was actually doing my first communion. In El Salvador? In El Salvador, yeah. And that was the night before I had to do my first communion. So it, but nothing, nothing else happened, you know, but he was basically just grabbing my hands, telling me your sins. And at Do you the moment, know if he I, did that to anyone else? I don't. I don't know. Cause you didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell. So anybody. you didn't talk Not about it. And why didn't you tell anyone? Because at the moment, I thought that like nobody would have believed me, right? And you know, the right, thing yeah. was that after that happened, he said you have to go to bed early. You cannot speak. You cannot talk because you, you know, you're in peace with God, and you need to come tomorrow. You know, ready to do your first communion. So that's exactly what I did. I didn't thought about it. I just like whatever. And I wasn't speaking. I didn't talk for the rest of the night and I went to bed early. But now that I'm grown and I remember that, of course it's inappropriate what he did. Because I seen them taking the kids into those- uh, com- uh, Confessionals. Yeah, but I was taken to the room, to the office. And see, and, and for and these predators that. to connect your religion with your silence, you know, with your compliance, so enraging. It's enraging because you violate people when you do that on so many different levels. You violate them as a human. You 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 create this blanket of distrust that they you know becomes very difficult mm-hmm. to get past. Right. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you, and I'm also yes, me too. I'm sorry that I not trying to be ignorant or shady but i'm also sad that it happened in el salvador and not in, in the united states because it, it wouldn't make we, no difference it because would because the, we'll be no. suing them right now it wouldn't be you deep. know this thing sue. <laughs> we will sue the pants he would be them. filing something tomorrow that is inappropriate no it child is inna- I mean, no I'm, no child should be and this is why i feel position. i feel some mixed feelings by doing ex- especially this episode because you know it just too much of reality that I have to face right now with situation that had happened when I was younger. Yeah, and see, yeah. and what he did sounded like a first step. You know, they right. they lure mm-hmm. you in. They, you know, it's not necessarily that they predators and pedophiles start off from the jump trying to have sex with you or engage in a sexual episode with you immediately. It seems like they lull you in, right. you know, and, and that's So anyway, let's move to the next topic. Um, I, I, again, I, I, I sincerely apologize that happened to you. Well, technically I, apologize. I shouldn't apologize, but I'm, I'm sorry that that You happened. were not invited to the meeting. Okay. Like yeah. you said. 
<laughs> so, and on that topic, very quickly, um, also within the Catholic Church, there has been recently, actually, this only really um, truly came on the forefront in the news media because of a statement that um, Pope Francis said while he was on his, is it, how do you pronounce it? Papal? Papal. Papal plane. He was visiting a country, he was on a paper plane, and he was talking to the media, and someone just asked him a question, well, what about the nuns? And he said, mm. that's when he acknowledged that there were, his understanding is that there were some issues dealing with nuns um, being abused sexually, taken advantage of, and essentially treated, treated, treated as um, forced labor. They've been um, getting pregnant as well, right? Yeah, a lot yeah. of them have been pregnant mm. and have been forced to- Abortion? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can do an, an abortion. Um, but what was very shocking to me is that there was a 23 nation, excuse me, survey conducted over several years. And that survey um, indicated that it was highly rampant or especially high in Africa, where the priests feared that if they were to engage in sexual activity with local folks, that they would receive HIV. Mm -hmm. And so their way of dealing with that was to force nuns to have sex with them um, to avoid, in their head, contracting HIV. So very quickly, let's get everyone's uh, um, thoughts or opinions. And on. it makes it okay? I mean, that's racist and misogynistic. Is it? God oh my damn. God. These people. You know, I... If... Yeah, I mean it's not it's not okay to ob I mean to obligate um people to have sex unwillingly to do it. Uh, however, this is kind of different because you know they're nuns and they're I believe Older. they're over age. Okay, so I'm gonna stop you right there. What that that is oh that, and not being able to fight back. No, because they're of an age, so therefore they are not a vulnerable community who can be subjected. I didn't say that. No, but that is what that's what people are saying in relation to this. Is that nuns, nuns who are don't older. own anything and don't make any money? I'm telling you, that was <laughs> that's what they're saying that they need their power. Were. Right, that was some of the the opinion. I don't care how old you are. This is just my opinion. I don't care if you're 50. I don't care if you're 40. I don't care if you're 32. I don't care if you're 23. If I don't want to lay down and have sex with you, I don't have to lay down and have sex with oh, you. Oh no, I don't agree At with that. At any moment that I lie down because you are forcing me either by using financial um, power. power over me or using manipulation or using the fact that, you know, no one is going to believe you. It's rape, period, point yeah. blank, the end. I don't care how you slice or dice it. Um, and a lot of these nuns are dependent on a lot of these priests to give them money to survive and live. Um, they have a roof and, on their head. Basically. And it's just, it's unfortunate. And I would just tell you, most, I mean, from my perspective, again, I didn't grow up Catholic. I didn't go to no Catholic school. But when I see nuns, God, oh. I know, right? <laughs> but when I see nuns, they represent the church to they me. Do. The Catholic church. Yeah. They're like the first line of defense. Yeah. They're the folks who will get you right so that you can get into the good graces of the priest and be in his 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 presence sometimes 
Um, and it's unfortunate that, at least in my opinion, that these group of individuals who are those first line of defense in many areas, and particularly when they're in third world and other countries and doing, um, what is it that they're doing when they- Missionary Missionary work, work right? You know, and I never. It's, I, it's just unfortunate. Yeah, I never meant to actually be disrespectful. You know, the 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 fact that I don't read and I should actually, but I didn't know actually they they don't, they don't get paid for doing that. I thought my my understanding that they do somehow get like a little commission, but yeah, they may uh, get you know. a little bit of. So I can't speak for um wh- how they handle it outside of the country because they may not get any money. They get stipends um here in the states a lot of times, but they're still dependent upon priest and the catholic church in right. general to give them food and shelter because i do, do i do i do believe that do give up everything to be a nun in the church yeah they have I to believe. give away all their possessions right. one of our teachers i think when i was in seventh grade she was a civilian you know to begin with and in the middle of the year she decided she may have been contemplating it earlier but the class didn't find out that she actually wanted to become a nun until like the middle of the school year and she talked about how she was in the process of giving away all of her possessions and close to the end of the school year she was already wearing like this starter habit (laughs) that they wear when they first engage um you know in that in that lifestyle so um you know they're they have nothing they have nothing and they're totally dependent on the church and these priests who are supposed to be their leaders and protectors because i know they look up to them are taking advantage that's just all right well i think we have covered that topic um as we've talked about a lot of stuff dealing with religion i know a lot of people are not religious and religion sometimes poor people and it offends people because they firmly believe x y and z um, I just hope that at the end of the day, when it comes to a vulnerable population dealing with children, um, that we do a little more um, in reference to folks who are being abused, taken advantage of, manipulated in the church because it's supposed to be a safe space. At least that's what I believe. Yeah, it but should be. We are going to end this topic. I want to thank my guests um, and co-hosts. I want to thank my guests <laughs> on the show today. I am first going to start with Jay. Jay, say anything you want to say to the people. It's been great. Till next time. Okay. We <laughs> might have to give you some time limits, though. All right. Jose, you want to say something to the people? <laughs> <laughs> this is your opportunity to say something to the people. Uh, I'll see you guys next time. All right. Love you all. Love you all. All Always. right. You got fans already. All right. Okay. All right, co-host Peter. You got something to say to people? Nothing, just, you know, thank you for listening and engage in our crazy conversations. But, you know, we do it for a meaning and to open those eyes to those that doesn't want to open them. All right. So, all right, I think you're taking this we'll co-host job time. too long. <laughs> your, your speech was a little too long, bro. All right, no. Miscongeniality. <laughs> all right, thank you for tuning in. So all the music that you heard on the podcast today, Peach Creek, the Double Tundra podcast was created by my brother Crazy Drink out of Detroit, Michigan. That's D-R-I-C for Blaze and Heat Music. That is B-L-A-I-Z-I-N-H-E-A-T. All right, so tune in in two weeks, and we appreciate you're listening. See ya. Okay.